to another episode of Calling Old Hollywood. I'm your host, Kat Lively, and my guest today is Tyrone Power Jr. How are you? Good? How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Awesome. I am so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you for asking me. Yes, of course. So, for listeners who do not know, you are an actor. Yeah. You, um, following a tradition of family of actors, um, do you want to talk a little bit about that five five uh is it five one two three four no four mm-hmm. it's four there was a pianist in the in the wood pile okay. <laughs> in the late 1800s okay but yeah uh, not a lot of imagination mm-hmm. career-wise in this family we're all actors did you ever feel a did you ever feel a pressure to to continue on or was it just a genuine passion of yours? Uh, not, I wouldn't call it pressure, but I think you tend to, uh, I've, and I've been asked that before, did you have to be an actor? Well, you tend to kind of gravitate, I think, towards what the rest of your family does. Mm-hmm. I mean, had I grown up in a family of lawyers, I might have ended up going to law school, just mm-hmm. not out of pressure, but it's what you sort of see sense, growing right? up. Right. What's what's uh, influenced around you? And it looked like fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What's the uh, what's the favorite film that you've been in? The one I had the most fun on was probably uh, I would say was a film called Shag. Mm-hmm. That was um, with um, Phoebe Cates and and Bridget Fonda mm-hmm. because. Uh, we were all in our mid-twenties, and they just sort of set us loose on Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for a summer, and we're, we were all the same age, virtually, and just had a blast. That's amazing. It was just fun. So what was it about your character that you liked the most? Oh, uh, well, it, it, my character was kind of the black sheep mm-hmm. in that. They were all sort of the fun-loving kids, and I was kind of this um, uh, stick-in-the-mud, rich kid. Uh, uh, but what I liked about it was trying to find uh, the comedy in it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Trying to have him be bumbling a little bit. For you, um, a lot of different actors have different processes, different methods. Are you a method actor, or how do you... You know, whenever you've gotten into a character, what has your process been to kind of put yourself into play a convincing role? That's a tough question. You know, process is really a hard thing for an actor to talk about because everybody, everybody sort of has a different one, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter what how you get there; it's getting there. Definitely. Um, like whatever. And it, it can be something as 
as simple as a prop can give you an insight or, you know, uh, a person that you know or that you've met or sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's a little mysterious. It's hard to talk about. Definitely. But you want it to be as honest as you can, as you can make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, yeah as, as methodically as possible, whatever that takes. That's, that's definitely. Yeah, the, the whole thing about method is, um, which I guess probably I don't have a whole lot of patience for, mm-hmm. is that some actors just go so far that they can't shut it off. They take it home with them. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, you're, if they're playing a, a certain character, they are that character for three months and you can't, you don't dare go out and have dinner with them because they're, they're, they're gonna be it's going to be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I always kind of believed you, you know, uh, when they yell cut, that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. You, you leave it there. Definitely. And then uh, pick it up the next day. Leave the work at work type thing. Definitely. Before we were recording, you were telling me a story because we were talking about the podcast and the reasoning behind the podcast and you were talking about your family and spending summers. Can you uh, retell that? That was really fascinating about playing backgammon and, and being on the, the porch. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I have sort of a, ended up having a doubly interesting family because um, um, my, my father mm-hmm. passed away actually two, three, four maybe six weeks before I was born, my mother was pregnant with me and they, he was on location in Spain. Uh, and she ended up remarrying about a year and a half later and married a, a man by the name of Arthur Lowe, mm-hmm. who was a producer. And uh, his grandfather, Marcus, uh, was one of the founders of MGM, uh, along with Sam Goldwyn and Louis B. Mayer. And then his grandfather on his mother's side was Adolf Zucker, who founded uh, uh, Famous Players and then Paramount Studios. So I, I sort of had an insight from my uh, departed father's family into the, <clears throat> the hired hands, the, actor, the actors, but then also into the, uh, the studio people and, and how that came about and that. That was an interesting journey for them, and one that, uh, as I said, I wish I'd, I'd gotten to talk to them more when I was a kid, but you don't pay attention to anything when you're a kid anyway. So. Right. Um, but I did talk to my grandmother a bit in her early days. She was, uh, Adolf was born like eight years after the Civil War mm-hmm. and lived uh, to see a man walk on the moon. Wow, so that's. Yeah. That's quite a lifespan. Absolutely, also. So he was already. By the time I was, you know, even when I was a kid, he was already just about a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there wasn't much talking to him. He sort of sat there and in his big chair and smiled. And uh, but his daughter Mildred, Mickey, we called her. She was born in 1900. So. She had been a teenager when he was founding the studios, mm-hmm. and he had her. When he started with the Penny Arcades in New York and the Nickelodeons, and she would tear the tickets 
uh, for him and uh, help him out. So it was fun talking to her and hearing what it was like in really before World War One, uh, in the days in New York when there were no such things as movies. The best you had was you'd sort of turn a crank and see a, a horse walking, and that was it. No sound, obviously. Right, um, before talkies. <clears throat> but to get to kind of picture in your mind what it was like back then, uh, and I, I love that. It's um, I'm, I'm kind of a history nut anyway. Probably. But that feeling of being able to go back in time and talk to somebody. I mean, you can read a book, mm -hmm. but the people that were actually there that saw that are mostly gone now right, right. to be able to firsthand talk to somebody because they'll tell you stuff that's never going to be in a book. Exactly. Like, what did it smell like? What did, what did people say? Mm -hmm. You know, I find that pretty... Interesting. Fascinating. So, yeah. yeah. That was, you know, we're talking about the podcast and it's just those kinds of things like preserving them and keeping those documented. It's so important as we go get on further in time and, and get further away from, from those moments that, you know, that's really the, the pioneer era, you know, like film when film was coming out, the talkies from, you know, from silence to talkies and right. things like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, we mentioned, uh, we mentioned your dad, uh, Tyrone Power, um, that must have been, what, it, what has that been like for you, um, you know, throughout life, having had an experience of kind of only really knowing him on, on the screen? Well, it's a little bittersweet, of course. I mean, I, you yeah. know, there's always that. Um, it's a weird way to get to know somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some things that I've seen where he's just being him. You know, there was an interview with Edward R. Murrow, and uh, he did a little bit on, uh, there was a show called, what was it, uh, To Tell the, was it To Tell the Truth or What's My Line? sounds familiar. Both yeah, of them, they're where, kind of game shows. Where the, they blindfold the judges and they try to figure out What's My Line, I think, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on that one mm -hmm. time. And it was funny watching him, he would disguise his voice, he came in and he, he did this voice yeah. like this <laughs> and they couldn't figure out who it was but to see his sense of humor yeah little, not just playing a role of, you know yeah. the good looking guy who gets the girl in the movie mm -hmm. uh was it's pretty interesting it taught me a lot about him in it and it's kind of sad in a way i mean i always wonder like what what our relationship would have been what what kind of dad would he would he have been when he wasn't on you know, right, right. Um, and I think from what I've learned, we would have gotten along really well. We have kind of a very similar sense of humor. Mm -hmm. so. Definitely. Um, so it's weird, but it's also a gift. I mean, how many kids uh, who, who lost a parent very early in their life have that kind of great footage of exactly, yeah, their, yeah, their parent gallivanting around uh, all these locations, all of that. I yeah, know, that's, so. It's pretty, it is incredible. It is, I can, I can. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, there's, there's that light side and there's the heavier side. Um, do you have a favorite film that, that he was in? Of his? Mm -hmm. One of them I saw that was on last night, Razor's Edge. Mm -hmm. Really good movie. Really good script by Somerset Mom. And uh, kind of before its time, I mean, they didn't really talk much about spiritualism and the quest for yourself and all of that kind of stuff. 
um, they didn't talk about that much back in those days. So, mm-hmm. um, but that was a really he he was good in that. Um, witness for the prosecution, mm-hmm. really good. Nightmare Alley was which was his favorite, which they're remaking right now. They're shooting as we speak. Oh wow. In Toronto, it's uh, Guillermo del Toro's directing it with Kate Blanchett and uh, Bradley Cooper, Mm -hmm. and I forget who else, but uh, he liked that one. My father liked that one because, um, and had to fight tooth and nail to be able to do it, because uh, the tyrant, Daryl Zanuck, who ran Fox, uh, didn't want to loan out his matinee idol star to go play a circus geek that you know, alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, but my father wanted a break and wanted to do something different. different yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, so he had to, he had to, I forget what he had to promise Daryl to get him to let him make that movie. <laughs> yeah. But he loved that movie because he really got to do something different and show some chops. Unexpected from yeah. the, the typical roles. Those are probably my favorite. I like the, <clears throat> the, the sword at, Sword play movies, they're fun, and I kind of like those. I liked them more when I was, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years old because that's what little boys like. Yeah. Um, the romantic comedies, I really, I don't like that much at all, and neither did he. They, they kind of made him in the beginning. So as far as the future in acting um, or any roles, what do you... Uh... What do you see for yourself? My future in acting? Mm-hmm. Whatever comes along. You know, I lo- when I, my favorite thing, as was my father's, has always been uh, stage, doing a stage play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more rewarding than doing a movie. A, a movie's great because you get to go on location and stay in a nice hotel mm-hmm. if, if they have a budget. But it's all chopped up in pieces um, Moments of great excitement followed by hours of sitting and waiting for them to move lights and get everything ready. And, right. and so around set. you're acting in, in little chunks, little moments that you hope they can put together at the end and fit the jigsaw puzzle together. Right. But on stage, you're from when the curtain opens your life, to when it closes, it's, it's on you. Yeah. And you're master of your ship. And you're experiencing it at, with the audience at the same time. Definitely. Um, so it's much more fun. Um, it's like back then they used to do a lot of like live tapings, you know, like te- television shows and stuff. Um, yeah, they did a lot of live TV in the 50s, yeah. particularly. Yeah. That's why. Um, so and so playhouse. Right, uh, right, right. You know, General. It was always yeah, yeah. Generally, thing. it was always related to a sponsor. Right, yeah. right. Tonight, whole general electric right, theater, yeah. um, that whole thing. Um, but that uh, and uh, that was by the time I was old enough to be acting, that was all def- defunct. Yeah. But I've talked to actors who worked back then who said it was tremendously exciting and really fun to do, uh, and very much like doing a play mm-hmm. where you had a studio audience that was there that hadn't seen it, and boom, you're on. It's going out to them and to a television audience, and if you mess up, you mess up. You mess up. Yeah, there's something really thrilling about about that. Um, it makes me want to look more into it. And it's sequential. 
Yeah. Also, you start at the beginning and you end at the end. Right. On a on a movie set, you're going to go. Oh, we're going to shoot shoot the end of the movie first. Yeah. And then the beginning and then the middle. Just waiting for post to put it all in order. Right, because it depends on where you you know. Yeah. You're not going to move across the country to another location and then move back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you do all the California stuff and then all the Florida stuff and then the, whatever it is. Definitely. We were talking about um, the roles, like ageism, things like that, too. Um, you know, like people getting to certain ages or writers at certain ages and, and things being dismissed. Um, do you want to elaborate again on that? Yeah, I don't know if that's changing. I, I hope it is. Um, there's certainly... I mean, there's so many wonderful actors. I just watched um, The Good Liar. I haven't seen it. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. It's with Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about... If you think a wine gets better with age, um, there are some actors that just get better and better until the moment they <laughs> they move on. Mm-hmm. And it's too bad that... Um, that there's so mu- so much of Hollywood's product is uh, so geared, and it's because of advertising. Yeah, is so geared to to such a young audience. Um, and the you know the the, the rationale is that um, older people have made up their minds what they're going to buy. They kind of know what they want, and younger people are easily influenced. Mm-hmm. So that's who we're selling to. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, I think it's a mistake. I think older people, as people are living longer, older people are a bigger and bigger share of the market. Mm-hmm. And also, it doesn't give much credit to young people who I think are smarter than they're given credit for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and are not going to be, you know, totally spoon-fed mm-hmm. everything. But it's too bad that so so much talent uh, goes to waste. At, at, you know, at a certain age, particularly for women, you know, after forty, the roles dry up, and it makes no sense when it comes to writers. Uh, and there's ageism in writing. And I mean, how would anyone know how old a writer is? So uh, yeah, the writer sits down with um, the executive who's deciding whether to hire them to write for their TV show or, or work on a script. And uh, it says, you're too old, which makes absolutely no sense. I mean, writers only get better with age, first of all. How can a it's so, I'm like dumbfounded by that. And how can they put an age, it, it, it's. Uh, because I, the rationale of a, of a, of a, a suit in that, <laughs> and I don't say that as a compliment. Yeah. Uh, is um, younger people aren't going to be able to relate Mm -hmm. to your writing because you're older. Mm -hmm. In other words, the the truth, which is that 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 age is accumulated experience of being around young and old people, Mm -hmm. somehow manages to go right by them and they think, you have to be young to be able to write young, which, which is, is not absolutely true at all. not no, not no, true at all. That's bull. 
And if um, anything, you can add a more kind of acute sense because you can look back in hindsight as opposed to someone who is in the present living through it, you know, because it's, it's more emotion-based. Whereas I think if you're older, yeah. looking back, it's like it's more practical, it's logical. It's you No, I've, it I've actually heard of cases where a writer's been hired, mm-hmm. done great work on a piece, it's a success, and then been fired when the producers found out how old they were mm-hmm. and that they had lied about their age to get the job in the first place. It's a huge success. It's thumbs up. They're making money, and they still fired them. I, I don't understand that. No, it's I don't understand that. It's crazy. You had a question about the films. Yeah, you were talking earlier um, about the town in Missouri where they made the, they made the movie. And um, your where your dad that your dad was in and it saved the economy of the town. Right. Yeah, that was a very interesting experience and fun. I think you mentioned it. Sometimes it's nice to get out of Hollywood, mm-hmm. and I I really love that. I mean, to me, that a, a gift of doing a movie is getting to be on location for a while in a place that you otherwise would never go to right, or, or right. know about. Absolutely. And hanging out there for three months and getting to know the people and getting to feel what that slice of life is Mm -hmm. and then sometimes never having to go back there again um but (laughs) we went to uh missouri yeah it was this town in missouri where they shot um yes i was called uh oh god maybe five years ago now um, I was contacted by the uh, mayor of Pineville, Missouri, mm-hmm. and apparently, uh, in 1939, my father shot the movie Jesse James there with Henry Fonda. Now, this is Depression era in one of the poorest counties in Missouri at the time, and thank God, um, the director, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm, I think it was, I'm, I'm not even, I think it was Henry King. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have faked everything in L.A. Because there's, there's enough geography around L.A. that you can, and they, they did that all the time. Yeah. But for some reason, they convinced him, he was convinced and he convinced the studio to allow him to shoot on location in the actual part of the country where the James brothers were running around robbing banks and whatever, trains. Mm-hmm. Um, so they loaded up a train. My father flew out with the director because my, my father was a pilot and they had access to a plane from the studio. And then the train followed and with, with car after car after car filled with wardrobe and lights and every other thing. And this endless, you know, circus train showed up in this little town in, in uh, southwestern Missouri. And it, it saved the town. I mean, because everyone got work. I mean, one person... There was a teenager 
who uh, showed up on the set every day. And my father and Fonda would just pay him all day long because it was, it was in the summer and it was really hot uh, to just go get Coca-Colas every once in a while. And he'd go and come back and they'd give him 50 cents. And an hour later, he'd go get him another Coke, 50 cents. And it was more money than his father was making at, a, at some kind of mill nearby, lumber mill, <coughs> just getting Cokes for the stars. Oh. And, <coughs> pardon me. So I went there and I met all these people and they have a festival every summer where they, they're out of gratitude and memory for this movie, Saving the County. Not only that, all their relatives are in it. They were all extras. So they knew more about the movie than I did. I would, uh, it was running on a loop somewhere in town. I think of the, the, the uh, courthouse or something like that. And people would go, wait, 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 look, that's my Aunt Judy standing behind your father with the baby in her arms, and that baby is my cousin Clarence. Mm -hmm. And it was, they knew frame by frame every relative. To them, they were the stars of the movie, which is a fantastic thing. It's like their town genealogy was all wrapped up in this movie. So yeah. I met all these people. I go, oh, and they had stories. And yeah, I remember my grandfather used to say one day on the set, you know, your father did this or that or the other, or the, this. There was this girl that he danced with at the at the local dance, and she never forgot it. And and uh, they really had a vested interest in it. It was really cool. And this many years later, look like. 70 years later. Yeah, exactly. They're still talking about it. I found it extraordinary. and, and That uh, must have been really humbling for you, and too. A, and, they, to... yeah, they had a, a carnival and a parade. It was just amazing. And the photographs people showed me mm-hmm. uh, from their homes, because they knew I was there, so they would go through an old foot footlocker and get out the photographs. Yeah. Uh, as you can imagine, it was the biggest thing ever ever happened there. So everybody was taking pictures that had a camera, right. and you you got you saw things that you would never see in a publicity still from the studio, which were all set up. These were like real folks. Yeah. So that was that was an amazing experience. It really was. It's very cool. Oh. Do you um. Do you do you feel sometimes like even on a quest to like. Do you feel like you knew who your father was, like, through going to film locations and through doing all this? Like, it, it's obviously helped the connection. But do you feel, um, like, is it is it been a really humbling experience for you? I don't feel like I really know him, but I feel like I have a, a pretty strong sense yeah. of him. It's almost like a conquest, like you know? Like, what he would have been like, yeah. uh, you know, telling a dirty joke behind somebody's back. Mm-hmm at the commissary or, or out to dinner with friends where people weren't eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very funny and could be very, could have a very wicked sense of humor, yeah. but he was a tremendously kind person. Never, never, never hurtful, never deliberately and, and very generous. He, there was, you know, the stories of <coughs> a woman who, 
came to him for an autograph in New York City, and it was it began to rain, and he had signed it, but he could see that it was it was smudging with the rain, and he he walked her down the block under an awning to get a fresh piece of paper to to re-sign the autograph. That's very sweet. Um, just things like that. Mm -hmm. he, you know, the cab was sitting there waiting. He could have hopped in and, and gone, nice meeting you. But he always kind of took that extra time with people. Right. Which That's what makes it It says something about somebody. Absolutely. So, uh, it's a true character. I think he was very funny and, uh, you know, could be wicked, but um, basically a really a generous, good person. So uh, I'd like to have known him. That's wonderful, though. Yeah. Um, so the first time that I met you was the night of the James Dean event. Right. Um, the filmmakers' gallery put on, and um, I'm a little curious about about that. Um, how you got into that, as well as um, I was told to ask you about Stuart Stern. Yeah. From Rebel. Yeah. Well, if you're ending with James Dean, I just missed James. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not kidding. I really just missed him because it was five years before I was born, four and a half. Mm -hmm. And he was at, at our house all the time, mm -hmm. at Arthur's house. In fact, I don't know if you're familiar with the the Boulevard of Broken Dreams poster. Yes, yes. Of absolutely. Jimmy walking through Times Square. Mm -hmm. yeah, That's Arthur's, Arthur's overcoat yeah. that he's wearing. I did not know that. He borrowed that coat from from my dad, my adopted dad, I uh, was, and, and he was always up at the house and, um, which was a gathering place for a lot of movie people. Yeah. And he was this young, sort of melancholy, not very talkative, brooding actor that everyone said was just unbelievable. And wait till you see what he's doing. And my cousin Stuart had written the screenplay for Rebel Without a Cause. So he and Jimmy became very good friends. And Stuart was also a, a country boy from a farm. Uh, Jimmy from Indiana, Stuart from Nebraska. But similar, kind of, they had that in common. Mm -hmm. And uh, really hit it off. And um, where am I going with this? Uh, yeah, I would have uh, had he lived another five, six years. You know, I I would have been in that house. Yeah. With him. So it's always just kind of been part of the experience and and things that happened. But I remember them talking about him a lot and and what a what a shock it had been because they they were literally expecting him that day or the next to be over again for couple of drinks and sit and yak and mm -hmm. and all of a sudden comes over the radio he's gone you know and at that age so I remember um, I remember them talking about him a lot and how shocking that had been very sad yeah definitely um, so is there anything else that you would like to uh, to add before we close out the episode anything you want to well, you were talking about, you said um, you weren't going to, well, you're thinking, you know, as you get older, you might not see acting as much in your future, but what do you, what do you see potentially instead, you know, do you, you want to 
start writing or do you want to uh i do some writing i do like writing it's it's um it's a it's a big adjustment because acting is such a collaborative thing you're doing it with friends and and it's a group activity and then writing you're locked away in some lonely room somewhere with you know staring at a screen what used to be a typewriter in a in paper and now a screen and you've really got to just drum it up yourself mm-hmm. but i i do uh i do definitely see doing uh some plays i i would love to do that i'd love to keep doing theater cuz you don't have to be you know, 21, mm-hmm. and a, a lot. There are a lot of great pieces for older actors. Uh, I could, def- yeah, I could definitely see doing uh, theater. I do movies. I don't know. I, maybe a you know a little part here and there, or something. But uh, it's not something I would really cultivate anymore. Mm-hmm. It would be more of you know I run into somebody and they goes, oh, you know, I'm making this movie. You'd be perfect and come work for two days and yeah I'd be happy to do that but I don't want to go back to LA get an agent again <laughs> yeah, there yeah. just which is <laughs> there are a lot a of lot. Uh, there are a lot of other words for agent yeah. which I can't really say in mm-hmm. in polite company yeah no uh, and do it. that whole making the rounds thing again yeah it's, I don't I don't it's, see it's doing a lot that. it's yeah. a lot um, yeah if you did have did have advice for aspiring actors, artists of the of the like, what would you, if they're listening, what would you say to them? Um, <laughs> pick something else. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, that's mean. That's I'm being facetious. Um, just don't waste time. Work hard. Uh, the 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 train is rolling uh you don't it you you can't just take it easy and then all of a sudden 10 years have gone by and uh and 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 the train's gone by you um get in there duke it out be patient you got to be thick-skinned uh it's not personal so don't take it personally um, that's really it. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's warfare out there, mm-hmm. but, uh, if you work on it and be good, it's still going to take a really good roll of the dice. It's, it's Las Vegas, but if you're there in the right place at the right time and you got the goods, mm-hmm. you'll have a career. Wise words, very wise words from Tyrone Power Jr. All right, I guess it is uh, time to sign off on this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time. And this is called calling old calling Holly- old Hollywood. So we're now technically hanging up on old Hollywood. We are Hollywood. hanging up on old Hollywood. This really, time. which is I think rude, but <laughs> until <that's okay. laughs> until we ring it again. This is uh, Tyrone Power Jr. Cat Lively signing off. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.